2: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au Predict Australia's score with a crystal ball And it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals All thanks to McDonald's Backers, together and loving it TNCs apply
0: Day or night, summer or winter He's the sound of sport in Aotearoa This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ
1: Moreno, New Zealand, good morning to you. Wednesday morning, big race afternoon. I love Wednesday afternoons, but uh, I love the show this morning that uh, John Day has got uh, shaped up for us. We've got uh, Owen Franks, big OE, silver cap wearer for the All Blacks, of course. Uh, We've got him just after nine o'clock this morning with uh, his views on on propping, I think. I think it's uh, an issue to talk about, the fact that he's had to withdraw too from the Hurricanes. Very, very disappointing. Uh, Stay in Wellington. We'll go to Glenn Pocknell, uh, because uh, Glenn, of course, is the coach of the Firebirds, successful team, they uh, hold uh, the Super Smash title, looking to defend it, it uh, kicks off for them on Friday. Uh, what about his team? Hale Te Pole is on with us just after 10 o'clock, why? Well, uh, they're talking about players being eligible earlier now um, to be able to play for their country of origin, their country of birth, uh, having perhaps played for somebody else. So there's a big vote on that uh, tonight. Uh, We'll discuss that. Andrew Gordy and Nikki Styrus. What a combination that is. Uh, Styrus and Gordy uh, in terms of our panel this morning. Looking forward to that. Uh, Louis Herman Watt and Pip Morris. There's another combination I'm looking forward to uh, just before 11 o'clock. Greg Greg Murphy, of course, just after that uh, with our update on motor racing. Uh, And then Tony Loyal. Tony Loyal, we've got him back. Uh, He will be our comic of the week.
2: Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy Sermon.
1: So Martin Guptill's performance over the last month has been stellar. He's a veteran, no denying that, but there's also no denying, barring any accident, and he's had a, a few of those over the years. Uh, he's the second name on the selectors list for the next T20 World Cup already. And we've barely finished the last one. He virtually played the last eight games on one foot. I mean, that's McCaw-like. Richie and the broken foot is legendary. Try playing to the same level with a broken toe on one foot when you only have two of them in the first place. Extraordinary. And did he keep that quiet? We didn't have an inkling. And Guppy always looks so calm. Seems nothing makes him nervous except maybe a forklift or two starting up in close proximity. And there's not too many of those on cricket ovals around the world. Thank God. It's not just about the batting, the pure striking. Is there a better fielder in the group among the younger brigade? Is there any, anyone in all honesty you want under a high ball or within the sniff of a run-out more so than Guppy? If there's an unsung hero in the Black Caps, then he's American Pie with all its verses. Talk about longevity, talk about availability, and the playing 11 undoubtedly Captain Kane's first mate. It's not Guppy's job to steady the ship, it's his job to launch it. Guppy possesses quite a few white ball batting records and he's a steady accumulator, and had he made it back for two at Lord's that sunny afternoon, he'd possess a gong as well. Just a matter of inches. If he'd had an appendage as long as Joel Garner's, we'd have our name on that trophy. And before you start reporting me to the Broadcasting Standards Authority, I'm talking about his right arm. Martin Guptill deserves more than he gets. He's a grand hermitage for us. No sign of the cork being removed either. That's the best and most reassuring news of the week thus far. Long may Guppy walk out first for us, proudly donning that black cap. 906 here on SENZ and New Zealand rugby fans, and especially fans of the Hurricanes, were so looking forward to the return of uh, 108 test uh, prop Owen Franks to Super Rugby this year, all black 1094, but unfortunately the 33-year-old has injured and out for the season. Uh, he joins us now. Uh, first of all, uh, Owen, uh, thanks very much uh, for joining us on the show. Uh, you snapped your Achilles, man, and uh, when you do those, you know it's going to be a long process. Uh, how did it happen?
3: Uh, yeah. uh, First, thanks for having me on, and um, you know, second, don't rule me out yet. (laughs) I know they've said I'm out for the season, but um, I'm doing everything I can to to try get back in a a timely fashion. You know, whether I play or not, but um, I want to at least put myself in a position where you know, needed I I can play. So that's uh, that's my goal. Pretty positive around it, but yeah, it's just. It's actually coming near the end of um, some rehab for a foot injury I had in February. I had some surgery over in England and um, was doing some sprint work. <coughs> um, never great for a front rower and obviously anyone who's at a Achilles rupture it goes, goes pretty quick and uh, you know, it doesn't take a scientist to figure out uh, what's wrong. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's a low down for the minute.
1: Okay, so surgery went well for that. Uh, have you got any sort of timeline or is it wat- way too early for that, Owen? I think it's too early with
3: these long-term injuries. You know, you just focus on um, ticking off milestones. But, uh, you know, I've been, been doing some research around some recovery things I can do to uh, help speed it up. Um, some things that guys were doing in England that were a bit unconventional that I'm trying to... So, yeah, I, I want to get back, you know, as quick as I can. But, you know, with a healthy tendon as well. Um, yeah, because I'm, you know, I, I'm desperate to get on the field again.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because uh, you know hurricanes. All of a sudden, it's almost like a new lease of life, a, a new franchise. Uh, when you've been away from home, you've played for one for so long, uh, you must have been uh, it must have been really jumping out of your skin about that. Because uh, how did how did that actually come about? Well, it came about. I um, suppose the whole COVID situation and it,
3: we were pretty keen to get back. Um, you know, I I hadn't played a lot through you know a bit of bit of injury, COVID stuff, wasn't really panning out the way I sort of would, would have hoped. And I suppose looking at the rugby back home, you know, there's still that flame there to, to, to give it another crack and, and to test myself in Super Rugby again. And like you said, it was an, it's an exciting challenge going to, you know, a, a different franchise, one that's, um, you know, really different from the Crusaders. Obviously, my brother's been there. Uh, and he really enjoyed his time there. He said it's a totally a different environment, but, you know, also a really professional and, and he found it refreshing when he went there. So, you know, I'm still looking forward to it. Um, I'll obviously contribute and give, give whatever I can in the meantime while I'm rehabbing. But, yeah, like I said, I'm still firmly, uh, you know, focused on getting back on the field.
1: Oh, you—I mean—you sound uh, like a kid about to make his debut, and—and and, I mean, you've always had a rep- reputation for being a, a meticulous trainer about the game. So, I mean, it sounds like the zest is still there, like it was day one.
3: Well, that's what I'm hoping for. You know, I haven't played a lot over the last couple of years. I wasn't really that happy with the way things um, finished in, in twenty nineteen. Um, so that, I suppose, lit a new fire. Uh, I just know what I'm capable of, Smitty. I know, you know, mentally, I know I've got it. Physically, once I can get everything in line, um, I know it's there as well. It's um, the frustrating thing is I know what I'm capable of. I've just got to <laughs> just got to, get on the field and then be consistent, you know, because I think the hardest thing is when, you know, you're sporadic with your playing time, especially as you get a little bit older, um, you really just need to be, you know, at the grindstone all the time to... Keep
1: everything mm. moving. Well, you, you know, you've toured obviously many, many times to the Northern Hemisphere and encountered playing against uh, their props, etc., and all of a sudden you're one of them for a couple of years. How was it uh, playing at that level for Northampton uh, week after week?
3: Yeah, I really enjoyed um, the English rugby. I think. You know, over here and in England, you know, you sort of sack off the other hemisphere in terms of what they're doing and, and the rugby they're capable of. And um, you know, there's there's really good athletes over there, different different to here. You know, New uh, Zealand, you know, highly skillful, lots of talent. But you know, in England, they just got the size and the, and the physical presence that um, you know maybe not quite the same here. You know, you got like Locks and Lucy who so, are uh, 120 plus at least um, And it's a real physical game, really, really simple Which was sort of uh, <laughs> right up my alley, I enjoyed it uh, and, and it's an extremely um, competitive competition, you know Like once one team drops a game or two You decide like the other team smell blood And it's, you see teams go on these like losing streaks um, We experienced it at Northampton um, yeah, It's just just a really tough competition
1: I mean, you've had the, the All Blacks have been up there um, around. You've obviously been able to keep an eye on them uh, since your absence. Uh, how have you, how's it been watching? I mean, you know, you sound like you're still so damn competitive. You want to be back out there. Um, what's it been like following the progress of those that have taken your place? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's I suppose the further you get detached
3: from it, you know, as being a former player, you, uh, you realise how critical everyone is of the team. Um, you know, dropping two, three games in a season is never going to be good enough for the All Blacks and it, it should be that way. Um, you know, uh, so yeah, I suppose the last two weeks are disappointing, but I don't know no one will be feeling it more than the, the players and management and, um, you know, their standards are extremely high in that environment. That's why the All Blacks are, are traditionally the best in the world. Um, so, yeah... So I suppose, you know, yeah. like I
1: said, they'll be doing everything they can to come back and be the, the number one side next year in the world, for sure. So if, uh, they're undergoing a, a review process, of course, Owen, and, and we don't need to get into the nitty-gritty of that. But I, uh, if you'd look uh, from uh, the Scrum point of view, and, and obviously you study that uh, when you're watching the game of rugby more than a lot of people do, I would imagine. So uh, do, did you feel the Scrum was in good shape, uh, bearing in mind the, the overall results? I think if you
3: look at the scrum from just solely a scrum perspective and nothing outside of that, yeah, I'd say you know the top one of the top, if not the top um, scrum in the world. South Africa are really effective at, at scrumming for penalties, but the All Black strength has always been you know technically really good and always providing you know a bit. Of their stats are about near 100% for providing a quality ball to the backs, which not every other team does. Some other teams might get more penalties, but in that respect, the All Blacks would be most consistent. You know, the All Blacks' goal is always to be the best in everything they do, so I'm sure they've got their things that uh, they'll want to improve on. Um, but you know, the, one thing Crono always said, you know, as a scrum or specifically as a tighthead, you know, you've got to remember you're going against another guy who's, you know, a physical specimen, and he, he's trying to. He's trying to screw you over every scrum. So if you can get eight, nine out of ten right,
1: that's pretty good. You know, it's hard to it's hard to be perfect in, in that regard. You had um, a long tenure, uh, obviously, uh, in your job with the All Blacks, etc. As you look at the role of a prop now, uh, has has it has it been added to? Is there more demands on a prop just outside the tight work? I mean. We talk about ball carrying props, we talk about props um at the breakdown, et cetera all of a sudden uh, more so I think than we used to yeah
3: I think that's just the uh, I think that's just professionalism like I suppose when I started you know you still maybe had or even now you still got your guys who are just out and out scrummages, you know if you look at the northern hemisphere like the size of some of these guys. I suppose the differences you get some bigger guys now who can move well as well the you know, so there's expectation as a prop, especially an international, that you can, you know, you've got to tackle like a flanker, um, you know, you've got to scrum the house down, you know, guys get over the ball now. Um, the ball thing, I'm not, I'm not sold on. You know, you've got guys like Tani Tupo who can do freakish things for Aussie, but the reality is, for an international prop, when you get the ball, you're running into a wall. So unless, you know, probably Tanya Alatupu is the only guy I can see who can. Had something as a head prop, but most of the time that's head down, and your your focus is, you know, getting the ball back, so you can continue to play. Um, It's not very often you're going to find yourself in a hole or, you know, one on one with another prop or or another defender. So I think it's a bit of a to expect the prop to run into a wall and, you know, be like an artist, Serbia plus. The, the load of scrummaging and, and the other um, expectations of, of, of a prop around
1: the field. I think it's a, it's a tough sell. Now you've got plenty uh, going on off the field. Uh, I understand to keep you busy. Can you give us a little enlightenment uh, with your new venture you've got with uh, Crusaders assistant coach, Vg coach Jason Ryan? Yeah, obviously got a good
4: relationship
1: with Jason. Um, yeah, he's awesome, awesome sports
3: coach and back in 2015 when I got back from the World Cup I sort of developed a machine that I could use at home in my garage that would um, you know help me with scrummaging specifically strength and technique for scrums so it's something that me and him have both used um, me by myself and him with the Crusaders over the last four or five years Um, and we just think it's a really good tool to you know not only the professional guys but the thing that I've noticed with scrummaging is, no, you, you go through all these progressions as a kid to get ready for tackle rugby right? from ripper um, up into tackle, you know, you learn how to tackle, but there's nothing there for scrummaging, and and you think when you've got a 12, I don't know what age they start pushing 12, name, but, you know, that's a developing body, and you're suddenly putting, the, putting it under a lot of stress against these massive forces, and if, if you're not technically proficient, you know, it's, it's, it's not great for, for these kids to... Uh, I've also
1: got in mind that it's a, it's a really easy tool, um, you know, to teach kids and, you know, anyone from there up how to, how to scrum properly with, with safe technique. Fantastic. Sounds fascinating. Um, hey, hey, mate, honestly, one part of your, your repout, I know you want to get back on the field as soon as possible. A lot of people would like to know um, in terms of NPC rugby. Have you made a commitment there for next year, perhaps? No, I haven't, but I'm available to um, anyone
3: that wants me. <laughs> I suppose uh, <laughs> I've got to meet with, uh, with the Hurricanes uh, coaches and stuff next week. But no, I'm, I need 100% need to play NPC um, And yeah, I'll look for that
5: sport
1: and so be it. Well, I imagine your phone's about to start ringing, mate, to be fair. Uh, hey, look. It's, it's great. It's fantastic to, uh, to have you back and, and sounding so keen to get down, back out there. I'm very excited about it. Uh, and so will all our listeners be as well. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Great to hear you. No,
3: thanks, for, thanks
1: for having me. Appreciate it. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. All the best there, mate. Uh, Owen Franks, man. There's uh, is is, is an advertisement, folks. Um, need a prop. <laughs> need a prop. This has uh, been one of the best we've ever ever had. Uh, who's dead keen to play NPC rugby. Oh, goodness me. Uh, how long do you reckon that'll last on the open market, JD? Uh, you asked me because you, you were hoping he was sort of heading in one direction, eh? You, you, you were thinking back to Motuweka, weren't you? Exactly, Smithy.
0: Just like you should have returned to Nelson. Smithy, your birthplace, Owen Franks, born in Motuweka. We'd love to have him at the Marco. But just like you say, how many teams would love a 108 test pro- a tighthead prop with well, that sort of experience and that sort of attitude, Smithy, uh, really refreshing.
1: Busting, absolutely busting to get back on the field of play. Um, and, you know, uh, do we need props at the higher level too? I mean, he's not as if he's an old man with that kind of attitude. Goodness me. Uh, would you count him out of the running? I uh, Don't think so. Uh, what can we talk about today? Okay, test match tomorrow, uh, cricket test starting tomorrow. Uh, what about your test lineup? Uh, we've had uh, one coming from PD. He said Latham, Ravindra, Williamson, Taylor, Nichols, Blundell, Jamison, Wagner, Southey, Somerville, Patel. Uh, okay, um, look, uh, that's PD's lineup. Don't think it's too far from uh, what I'd have. Maybe two changes there uh, I would have in that particular lineup, but I've got no idea what they're going to come up with. Perhaps uh, you can enlighten us, uh, cricket fans, if you've got some ideas about who perhaps should open the batting with Tom Latham. That would be a good one to start with. Uh, And and also Owen Franks. What did you make of that interview? Owen Franks back uh, keen as mustard to get back uh, on the field of play. Uh, There's that one to talk about. Who should be? uh, Do you care? But who should be the Australian cricket captain uh, when the Ashes kick off in around about two weeks tomorrow? That's how much they've got to do in such a short space of time, um, the Australian cricket team. Plenty for you to come in on this morning. Double eight, double three. look forward to hearing from you.
0: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Yes, a number of texts have come in already this morning. Guppy is a Trojan of a man. Great uh, effort. Uh, Anthony said, uh, well, he is. He is a Trojan, actually. Uh, An unsung. I think he is an unsung hero. Uh, We we, we just go past him, and the reason... Why? Because, um, you know, we just, he just does it all the time and we get used to it, I think. We, we kind of take him a little bit for granted. Um, I'm not quite sure that's the right thing, but we do. I mean, you, you look at that uh, double hundred uh, he made in the World Cup uh, back in 2015. I mean, that, that was an amazing innings. Uh, and he's played so many since. And when he's hitting the ball and striking it purely, it's, it's not a better sight. The way he keeps his head down and just hits through the ball then either looks back at the bowler or, or just stays focused on uh, the ground rather than because he knows exactly where it's gone and how far it's gone. Uh, commentators often uh, remark about that. Uh, look, he, he's fine player. And I, as I said about the fielding side of things, man, if, he's under a, if there's a high ball goes up, I pray number 31 is underneath it because he doesn't drop him. He doesn't drop him. Speaking of dependability um, and uh, the flame still burning, how about Owen Franks, one of the greats, uh, says Alistair. Unreal to hear that, that her flame is still burning within him. Uh, Tim says, let's not panic. In my humble opinion, I don't think the ABs are too far off the pace. If you break down the season, we have really lacked combinations and go forward. Combinations is easy to fix, pick and stick. Go forward is slightly more difficult to create. I don't think we have any great ball running forward. So I think we might have to be slightly more creative in the backs. Caleb Clark steaming into the line is the key to success. I think it's the defining year for Caleb Clark. And off the back of that, I'd love to see Geordie punching hard into the back line. Rugby is a very difficult game on the back foot. Go forward is uh, the key to success. Aussie, if you don't go forward as soon as possible, you will find yourself going out the back door. Interesting. Interesting indeed. Uh, and the cricket, more, uh, Morning Smithy, looks like the Indian batting lineup will be pretty new. Only experienced batsmen, Arahani Pujara. And for the first test, uh, we might even see uh, we might even see Coley playing because his training he's training with the team, but not playing the first test. Just uh, I understand he's still around the scene, but he won't be named in that first test lineup. And I don't think uh, Rowat Sharma will be either. So they, they will have a new look about them, but uh, their new look is a decidedly different new look to a lot of teams around the world because of their depth of talent is so strong. uh, Smithy, uh who would you put in as Aussie captain? Slim Pickens, isn't it? Thank God we have Kane. That's from Horse. Yeah, well, um, I, my, my, I got a theory on this. I, I, if you're ever, ever going to go back to Steve Smith, ever going to go back to Steve Smith, it would be now for me. Now's the time. Um, I, I don't know if they can if they were that keen on Pat Cummins to do the whole five test matches. They'd have named him already. Uh, And I I don't think they ever planned on him playing in all the first five. So how can you appoint a captain for an Ashes series and have him stand down for a test or two to rest and rehabilitate? I'm not sure you can do that. Um, So we've seen what it's like with the All Blacks when you have uh, four or five captains in a season. Who is your real leader? And when you're trying to establish one, can you have um, them come and go? I would go for Steve Smith. And the reason I'd go for Steve Smith is that if you're happy uh, for him to go out there and score 100 or a double 100 for you, if you're happy for him to wear the baggy green cap, if you're happy to stand and, um, and acknowledge that and, and share in the pride of that performance, particularly against England, why can you not be happy for him to be the captain? What is the difference? I mean, if you don't want him to lead your team, why do you want him on the field of play at all if you're that, if you're that insulted by the whole thing? 9.30 here on SENZ. 9.32 here on SENZ, and Cliff from Dunedin has called in this morning. Uh, Cliff, uh, thanks very much for taking the time uh, to get hold of us. What's on your mind? Yeah, good morning,
4: Smitty. You know, just about the cricket. I, I like the look of this Cummings, Pat Cummings. I don't know why you wouldn't play him every game. He's, he's the sort of player that I reckon it would would do you No problem playing five Test matches. He's an honest toiler. He's one of the best bowlers I've seen for many years. You know, with a heavy ball. He can whip it up. He's got plenty of variety, and I think he's the sort of guy that could captain. But this Steve Smith could be the guy to just take it over again uh, if they don't want to go down that line with Pat yet. But with with regard to the Black Caps, I've been looking at a few of the teams put up. Um, I think we only need two spinners. And if we play Somerville and Patel gives us our left arm and off-spin option, I think we need to play our Seamans. We, um, we need Saudi and Wags and, and Jamison to me. We've got to keep playing them in these test matches. And I think he's the guy that he's good enough to bat at seven in this team. And uh, that really gives us a pretty good lineup. If we go with Blatham and, and Young, Williamson, Taylor, Nichols, and one at keeping, and then and then James comes in, it gives us five, uh, two spinners and three seamers. I think Wags Wags is so useful because he can bowl lots of overs and he, and he can bowl through the through the innings in any any part of it. What do you reckon?
1: Well, Cliff, I, I think there's a clue in the way they were thinking about the number of seamers they actually picked to be part of this mini-test match tour. They only picked three, and that means that I'm not sure that at any stage they were thinking about playing all three. If you were going to play three and consistently look at playing three, then you had to have a fourth one there as a backup in terms of injury. So I think their policy will be to only to play two. Therefore, you have to work out what two over the period of five days are going to be the most value. To you. Uh, my, my thought among, on this first test pitch, I've spoken a little bit to Mike Hesson about it, he knows uh, Kanpur. he says it will turn. Question is how soon it will turn. I've got a feeling it'll turn from the first morning uh, and when we saw them play against England and they needed to fix things, uh, they, uh, they got the pitches to turn very very quickly, very sharply and they used a guy by the name of Aksar Patel. He bowled about the fifth or sixth over and he 's capable of bowling with a relatively new ball that 's what we 've got to look at we 're going to be play, facing spin a lot in this test series, and we 're going, uh, going to be having to withstand it for a long period of time. So when it comes to the bowling yeah. lineup, uh, it would be nice to think that they could play three, but I don't think the conditions will do that, and I think that damages our batting strength. They will bat, uh, the black caps will try and bat lower, uh, perhaps than normal which means you're all-rounders like, that's why they've got a, a guy like Santner in there. It's not a vicious turner of the ball, but he can bowl cheap overs for a long period of time, uh, and then he can bat as well, supposedly. So that, Cliff, is more the makeup of the side from my point of view. So you would go with,
4: with uh, Santner rather than maybe Ravinda.
1: I, mean, I wouldn't personally. I would like to see Ravindra no. have a crack. I, I, I've heard about him, but I, I, this is my my personal opinion. What I think they will do is go probably with Santner. I would go Ravindra. There you go. Yeah, because they're going to have
4: Patel as the as the left armour, as well as Santner. And now, who do you bowl first? Santner's never bowled anyone out. I think his best figures are about three. And, and he never looks like doing anything except being tidy. Um we got to have a lot. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah, it's a shame in a way we haven't got Sony who who goes gives a two part option. But oh, as long as we can win the toss and have bat first, it gives us a better chance. I think you know. Yeah. The better use of a bit of the wicket when it's at its best probably rather than a crumbler. So we're hoping that we're not chasing the
1: game. Absolutely right, Cliff. I totally appreciate your thoughts there. Win the toss, bat first and bat for a long time, and then you can dictate the game Um, and put uh, their batsmen under pressure. And and, uh, without um, some of that experience, who knows what might unfold. But I'm totally with you on the game plan, Cliff. I'm still not convinced about the Pat Cummins thing. I know all the qualities you're talking about, and you're dead right. He is a top bloke. Uh, He's a good leader. He's revered within the side. He's revered within Australia. And there's every possible reason for him to pick him. And I don't worry about uh, the fact that he's a fast bowler in the respect of his captaincy because um, fast bowlers, believe it or not, they do think quite heavily about the game. Uh, they do know a lot about the game and they try as hard as anyone else in the damn team and set the standard. So, look, I, I, I don't have a problem there. Uh, it, it just, I just think if they were going to pick him, they would have done that by now. Uh, without all this conjecture and leaving all this doubt and all this conversation around the place, they, they would have picked him. But my problem with that is they, they didn't do that, um, or they haven't done that, because they don't feel as if they want to play him in all five test matches. And therefore, that would result in a change of captaincy yet again. That's all I can think of. Um, otherwise, uh, he's your man. He's your man I mean, he's your point of advice, Captain. Why wouldn't he just step into the shoes straight away and and knock this whole conjecture on the head. God knows they don't need it anymore. Uh, and when John, what about this uh, thing from Cricket Tasmania? Incredible! Now um, yeah. they've come out. Basically, I mean they are just an arm of Cricket Australia. Um, they are um, really subservient to what a Cricket Australia want to do, and they have leveled Aus- Cricket Australia, who now who now appear to be the villains of the whole deal.
0: Yeah, Cricket Tasmania, like, this is like a super rugby team coming out against NZR. Like, you just don't see this. So Cricket Tasmania, unbelievably saying this is the worst treatment since Bill Laurie over 50 years ago of an Australian cricket captain, Smithy. That's a big call.
1: It is. Um, I've uh, often uh, talked to Bill Laurie about it. He doesn't let much on. That was the time when uh, Bradman just dropped dropped him and he heard about it on the radio. Yeah, um... It was interesting. Uh, so Donald Brabham was the convener of selectors. Bill Laurie was the uh, pretty long-term captain, and um, he found out that uh, he wasn't the captain of Australia anymore because uh, he heard it on the radio, didn't even warrant a phone call. But uh, that that was another saga 50-odd years ago, and now they're going through um, not a similar thing at all, a whole new different set of circumstances. But it is a mess, a mess. Uh, we'll be back very shortly uh, on the subject of cricket too. Uh, we're going to be talking to Glenn Pocknell. Uh, of course, we spent some time with the Black Caps too. That'll be interesting. ...of sport in New Zealand. Here, Nothing
0: gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Well, the T20 Super Smash season gets underway this Friday night with a rematch of last season's Grand Final between Canterbury and Wellington, and we're joined now by defending champion Firebirds coach Glenn Pocknell, of course, who's been spending some time uh, among the Black Caps as well, Glenn. Good morning to you. Hey, Smitty, how are you? Yeah, damn good actually, mate. And uh, pleased to be able to talk to you. I, I haven't uh, spoken to you since uh, your return from uh, your time with the Black Caps, which was uh, unfortunately cut abruptly short. But uh, in the time that you did spend with them, uh, how was that experience?
6: Oh, it was brilliant, Smitty. It was uh, it was so enjoyable, and um, I just just uh, seeing the guys adapt to a very challenging cricket environment was the most pleasing thing and um, yeah, absolutely loved it and, and um, yeah, was was wrapped with how the guys performed and, and learned lessons pretty quickly in those conditions.
1: Yeah, Bangladesh, interesting, isn't it? I mean, for, for people at home that might not understand just how far removed is it from the cricket we see at home?
6: oh well yeah it's it's pretty hard to comprehend you know our first training we walked out of the changing room and felt like you were walking into a sauna and then you imagine that a few days after that guys are pretty much doing an hour and a half cardio session on the field so that's one of the challenges and also the other challenge is just the difference in the surfaces that they play on and it's something I've never seen in in my time in New Zealand even from a training surface it was um you yeah, know the most challenging surface that i've that I've ever seen so that's um, that's massive massive in its own but as I said before, to see guys uh learn really quickly and um and then compete with with them in those conditions was so pleasing because i I don't think it's um people really get a concept of how difficult it is you know we got we got bowled out for sixty in that first game and we genuinely believe we actually weren't far off from having a competitive score of around 80, which seems pretty unheard of to say in, in 2020 cricket, uh, especially when we come from the, the belter, the hard, fast wickets that we play on in New Zealand.
1: So, Glenn, obviously in the next couple of weeks, we're going to see a lot of spin as New Zealand take on India in their conditions. How, how far away from being able to replicate that kind of, those kind of conditions are we in New Zealand? I mean... I um, and just how foreign is it to the game that we know and coach here?
6: Oh, look, it is, it is foreign because in some ways we dictate a lot by our climate, um, you know, especially here in Wellington at the Basin Reserve. Ideally, we, we're playing on, on wickets that are, have got a bit of pace and bounce on day one, but day four are, are bringing spinners into the game. But the, the climate is just not conducive to that. Um, we just don't get enough sun, enough heat. Um, on the wind, to on the pitch, so to to really try it out. So, I guess that's one that's one part of it. So we need to be a little bit creative in terms of the domestic game, which which to be honest, the, the ground staff and NZC are are working hard on and buying into. Um, for instance, last year we, we played a game, a four-day game on a on a on a used wicket from a one-day game, and that certainly did um, bring spin into the games in day three and four. and... And that was great. So we just need to be creative in terms of how uh, the pitches are being prepared. Um, And I think that's going to help us in the long run, just uh, having more well-rounded cricketers who can perform in in any conditions. We know that we're very good in in these conditions on on the green wickets, Um, but we also want to be be good on on the world stage in these challenging kind of spinning conditions that you get in the subcontinent.
1: Glenn, uh, I want to talk about um, the vacancy that... um... Uh, Devin Conway's unfortunate injury has uh, created at the top of the order because, uh, uh, for me, there's a couple of uh, serious candidates that you know a lot about who, who could perhaps jump into this role. Um, Russian Ravindra is a young bloke we've seen very briefly in action, but um, we understand he could possibly do that role opening uh, for New Zealand. And then you've got, of course, Tom Blundell, who's done it in the past, he scored 100 at the MCG in that role, but is now the test keeper as well. Uh, who who out of those two would be better suited? Do you think?
6: Yeah, very very good question. And not an easy answer because I think they both they both could do. it, I guess the, the first part of the question is whether Tom could uh, open the batting and keep. And, and personally, I think that's too much. We we tried that with Wellington a couple of seasons ago, um, and it was just too much mentally and physically um, to have one hundred and fifty overs keeping and then having to put the pads on straight away and. And going at the bat, so unless they've got another, another keeping option, what's the only other keeping option I guess over here is, is Tom Latham and he's the other opener. So I think it's a bit of a, a bridge too far for, to, to throw Tom um, up, the, up the top of the order. Look, I think Rachin's certainly more than capable. Um, he still is a, a, young, a young player, but he's got a very, um, a very mature head on his shoulders and, uh, and he knows the game well and he's got a very good uh, defensive game. As well as um, you know, he's he's played a lot over in India, in, yeah, not not with the Black Caps, but he's he's through there a lot with a with a local team called the Hut Hawks, that goes. So if he gets the opportunity. He'll you know he'll be up for it. And I guess the other contender is, is someone like Will Young, who's who's been kind of in the top three um, previously. Uh, in New Zealand conditions, he's another one that I'm guessing they'll be looking at the top of the order too as an option.
1: Glenn, uh, let's get on to um, uh, this, this Friday night. Of course, Super Smash starting you, the playing through champions. Uh, how's your squad, uh, bearing in mind you've got black caps away, how's your squad shaped up?
6: Yeah, no, it's good. We we do have a, a lot of our top order, I guess, from last season uh, are missing there overseas. And one of our, our key players from, from the back in the last season, Troy Johnson, still suffering concussions. So, that creates some, some opportunities for some, some new players that have performed at the levels below for us, um, which, you know, they're they're young, exciting guys, which we're looking forward to seeing how they go and, and just, I guess, giving them our backing like a little bit like we did last year with Finn to, to go out and, and, and have a crack and see what happens, so to speak. So um, we lose a little bit, I guess, in the top order, just experience-wise with the likes of Devin, Tom, Ratch, and Jimmy. Um, not available, but we've got um, a very settled... Bowling attack that we've had for the last couple of seasons, ably um, led by by Hamish Bennett, who comes back into white ball cricket for us. So it balances itself out quite nicely. Very kind of young, exuberant uh, top order uh, batting wise, and, and a very experienced um, wily bowling unit that we um, that we know will do the job. So it's it's yeah, it's a good balance. It's, a, it's going to be a good, um, exciting challenge in a couple of days' time.
1: So unfortunate for Devin Conway. Um, I would imagine he won't do that again in a hurry, but. Uh, when do you expect perhaps to have uh, those uh, black caps back uh, for you in this competition?
6: Well, I think Jimmy's the one we'll, we'll probably get back the earliest. He's, uh, he's currently just arrived in New Zealand in MIQ, so just awaiting some confirmation from him in New Zealand cricket as to when they, when they want those guys to return to action, I guess. Um, you know, he's been away for a good six months the whole winter, so there'll be a period where... He needs a bit of a break and a bit of a downtime to reacquaint himself with with friends and family. So, I'm guessing probably mid mid to late December we'll be looking to get Jimmy back. Uh, and I guess Devin, with with his injury, it's just a bit of a wait and see. Um, depends how how quickly it heals. But as you can imagine, he's pretty pretty keen to get back into cricket after um, missing out. I guess on, on what's happened in the last couple of weeks. So, hopefully, all going well, we get him into December. But that's also around the timing of the. Um, the Bangladesh test. So, if he's fit, I'd imagine that would probably take precedence, and he'd slot back into the test team.
1: Cool, mate. Thanks very much for talking to us uh, this morning, Glenn. All the best uh, in uh, terms of uh, trying to retain that title. eh? all the best. Great.
6: Thanks very much, really.
1: Yeah. Cheers, Glenn Pocknell, there, uh, Wellington Firebirds coach, uh, defending champions, of course, of uh, the T20, and a, a couple of thoughts there on uh, the possibilities. Maybe for an opening partner for Tom. Latham, mm, interesting. Uh, maybe you can uh, text us on that as well, double eight, double three. 953 here
0: on SENZ. Behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: You got to know when to hold
0: know when to fold Smithy's Multi. Know when the
1: walk away, and know when to run.
7: Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today.
1: Well, Tampa Bay uh, did beat uh, the Giants by more than 11 points, so we got that one up. The Brooklyn Nets beat the, the Cleveland Cavs as well uh, comfortably in the end, and the Washington Wizards weren't able to uh, come through for us, unfortunately, so they lost to the Charlotte Hornets, so that one went uh, Tuesdays, one no good. Wednesdays, uh, the Portland Trailblazer to beat the Denver Nuggets this afternoon at $1.34. Uh, the Clippers, the LA Clippers, to beat the Dallas Mavericks at 48. and a football game tomorrow morning, uh, which will round this multi off. It's Liverpool to beat Porto at uh, $1.91. So, yeah, Liverpool to beat Porto, one 3 $3.17 in all um, is, uh, uh, sorry, $3.79 is the end result for that if we get it up. So that's okay. That's okay for a Wednesday. We'll take that. Build up a pot for the weekend. Uh, after the break, Hale Hepole is coming with us uh, because uh, he's. He's got a very interesting point of view. Uh, he's a former Tongan rugby player and current uh, chair of the Pacific Rugby Players Association. Three minutes past ten here on SENZ and World Rugby members will vote on new eligibility rules overnight, which, if passed, would allow rugby players to represent another country after a three-year stand-down period. The change would mainly help the Pacific Island nations, allowing the likes of ex-All Blacks Charles Piatal, Stephen Luatua and many others to represent their heritage. Uh, Joining us now to talk about this very important vote, is former Tongan International and current Pacific Rugby Players Chair Hale Tepole. Uh, good morning to you, Hale. Thanks for joining us.
6: Hello, good morning, city.
1: Yeah, good morning, mate. Uh, honestly, um, if passed tonight, if this goes ahead, um, this rule benefit uh, would be magnificent for the Pacific Island nations, surely. Yeah, like
6: everyone else in, uh, within the Pacific Island Rugby Circle or the QB now that's crossed, uh, it'll be a major boost, but uh, at the same time we can't fully just rely on that to improve uh, our rugby and the island.
1: 75% required um, to pass, that that uh, makes it very, very tough in a rugby voting environment. Why, why isn't it just 50%? Why does it have to be 75 Oh,
6: I, I'm not too sure. Uh, I think the the, the big hurdle is
1: in the, the voting system,
6: you know, with with um, our, our top dogs, top tens, getting three votes and Japan two, and we're all fighting for scrap within two and one vote. Bench. But um, from, from some inside word, yeah, it's looking good. And we've heard that before, so we're just keeping our fingers crossed as I said earlier.
1: Uh, okay. Um, look, you need uh, World Rugby has fifty-two votes, and um, you need thirty-nine to get it across the line. Uh, are you confident you're going to get this the, the support that you need, uh, or are you, you're just sort of crossing your fingers at this point?
6: No, Neil Smithy, we're pretty confident. We've done a lot of work in the past couple of months uh, with the home unions uh, and assistance from uh, international rugby players. Uh, We've drafted a lot of documents. Um, and, and we've got a lot of help from World Rugby, uh, from people around within World Rugby, because it's got a present council. So the lot of, uh, of Joe Smithy, he has been very uh, supportive and helpful and now take. Um, he's been working closely with Salarimapiswala from Samoa on, on putting up some information to be presented tonight. So, uh, like I said, inside info, we're, we're confident in, in what we've done, and just hopefully it all gets into to the council the benefit of, of why the sport's crucial, not just not just for the Pacific Island rugby, but for rugby in general. Um, you, know, mm. you can imagine, imagine if we we get these players in the World Cup stage, um, that'll be awesome.
1: Harley, um, providing this goes through, of course, then... Uh Obviously, you need the buy-in from the players uh, to support it and back it up by being available at that point. Uh, what are the indications like from the likes of your, your Charles Piotales, your Stephen Lua tours, those players? Have you been <coughs> to talk to them? Have, have you mapped them out?
6: Yes, the, the, the coaches from Thomas Moore have been in touch with these players and, and it's a good sign and positive that they're willing to, to have a crack. Now, we've just got to work now um, with their clubs, um, with all this But There's a lot of positive feedback from all these players. Um, So hopefully, if this gets through, they can sit down with all the coaches and the unions and and map out a plan of how this will work out, you know, Um, and all the little details where they come in, uh, what are they going to bring. And also, we've we've also got to be aware of, um, local players that this spot might be taken by, by these players. You know, we, we've got to seriously consider that, and, and I don't know how that will be addressed by the two head, head coaches. The two head coaches, from and James But I'm sure we'll work it out for the best. So, I'll, I'll the
1: so we talk about uh, when we talk about players being available, we often talk about you know the high profile ones such as Pia Tower, such as Lua Tour. Uh, one of the problems have been, of course, uh, Harley, is that you have a number of players that might have played for, uh, say, Australia, they might have played for the All Blacks, maybe just once, one or two times, come off a bench once or whatever, which rules them out. And that, to me, uh, seems to be where it hasn't been quite fair over the years. And, and then even now, after that, they still have to stand down for for three years. And to me, that, that sort of dilutes the quality of... of of rugby in, in a weird sort of way not having these this young talent available for such long periods
6: It's very unfair um, well, I don't have a solution to that but we've got a lot of players that could make um, a big impact, uh, I'm sure you're aware of, for example a, a young Ben Atinga 2003 or up, was it, um, mm. and, and then a few that can have a, a big impact on the city of rugby I um, mean, so th- th- that's something that we're going to address. But I think for now, we'll, we'll focus on this one. If we get this through, then maybe we can um, get another uh, document and, and present this to the, to the table.
1: I, I guess one of the, the, the great things are, are what's developing in terms of Moana Pacifica Rugby is. As Super Rugby uh, Aotearoa is about to launch, uh, with uh, Fiji involved, and in uh, of course Mānuka um, Samoa involved with with Tonga, etc. So this is a lure, I think, more to keep these players grounded at home. Is that the way you feel about it? Yeah, uh, of
6: course, really. I Like I said earlier, this, this voting and forgiveness across it'll be a major boost. But, um, there the other uh, bigger, um, I wouldn't say issues, but bigger picture to get our rugby back into to the top level. And, and one of the, the, the big players to play here, stay home, play in the southern hemisphere uh, with Super Rugby, where they're close to their monitor with their coaches. Um, one of the issues that we face is, is Reg 9, the player release, that we see uh, the tiptoe around when it comes to July and November. The all majority of, of our players will be coming to our so more players around here, of course, than the tour. And it's easier for the coaches to monitor them and, and, and keep in you know, the tracking and, and easier for them to be available for camps and games.
1: I, I struggle, Harley, to to think who would be um standing in the way of this, to be perfectly honest. I, I uh, who, who would be the likely countries that would say no, no? This, this is dangerous. This is going to affect us too great, too greatly. Uh, we, we can't afford to. We can't afford to support this motion. Uh, I, I, I struggle to think about too many nations that would be in a position to even want to do that. <coughs> I don't, I, don't, I don't. I'm not too sure. you
6: probably got to be careful here, otherwise. Then... We're gonna, we're gonna um, piss off some other country now. Yeah, just be other involved, but, <laughs> but I, so I, we've just got um, you know, definitely um, after the, to the, the you know, nations and, and uh, our, our big four unions from here, um, if they buy into this. But I, from like I said, I think Melbourne, and all these guys, the 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 dogs are voting for it. You know, and it's looking good. I'm not too sure what other unions, smaller unions that will compete with Tonga, Samoa uh, and Middle Lebo would, would take on this in um, Africa and Canada, the Canadians, you are saying that. Um, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to be all good, but I
1: uh, let's let's hope so uh harley uh before we let you go uh, Moana Pacifica uh have announced uh finally been able to announce uh, pretty much everything about their squad now uh what what did you make of uh of uh what uh Aaron major was able to come up with well i think that
6: they've got a good squad definitely uh um, as we all know, we're not expecting them to to make the uh, semi final finals but it looks like they got a competitive score. Uh, they got a good group of people. That are behind the scenes uh, pushing with us, working hard. Um, with the CEO, Panamato, Kevin Senior, the GM there, and everyone else involved. Um, our role here, uh, from the player and the home union, is just making sure that it's aligned. Why this team has been put up, um, but so far, so good. So, well I, um can't wait to see them operate. And um and,
1: and hopefully they do well. So uh this process tonight, um you do you sit and wait at the end of the phone? I mean how how will you find out that uh if it's yay or nay? Uh, we'll probably get
6: a um, email direct from that. Um, or or we'll wait yeah from and people and, and that would be the or uh, I couldn't um, miss it, miss it um, and we
1: can celebrate tomorrow someday. let's hope you can Holly. I really do hope you uh, hope you can celebrate I, I I just love the thought of of those players going back into the system a lot quicker than they currently can um because uh, at the end of the day not only will pacific islands uh, rugby uh, be the better for it. world rugby will too because the quality of those nations will improve very, very quickly. I, I 100% support it and I 100% wish you all the best. hope the vote goes well, mate. Thank you,
6: Smithy,
1: Appreciate that, mate. Yes, Ale to there, folks. Uh, he is the chair uh, for the Pacific Rugby Players Chair. So uh, to, uh, for the Pacific Rugby Players Association where uh, all those players uh, who are involved there uh, are looking to get back and play some international rugby um, <coughs> for their countries of origin. Even though they might have played a game or two, they might have had quite a reasonable career with uh, either, either New Zealand um, or uh, Australia in particular. I think they're the two nations probably uh, most invested in this whole thing. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's wish it all the best. I, I cannot see a downside to it uh, whatsoever. A number of texts uh, have come in on a number of issues. You might want to um, raise uh, something about that. Uh, you are you a for or a Can you see any negatives in it? Double eight double three is uh, our text number. 0800 150 is the phone number. And, of course, we've got the panel not too far away.
0: Superman! Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Champions League updates for you. Chelsea are at the moment leading Juventus 3-0. Uh, Barcelona and Benfica after 63 minutes are nil all. And Sevilla is uh, 1-0 up on Wolfsburg at the 63-minute mark as well. Our uh, Texts that have uh, come in, uh, I think India will only play two spinners. They don't have Jadeja, but I think they'll play... Uh, they don't have Jadeja. I think we will play three. Santana will play, but I would have preferred Sodi. Interesting. Um, Mark Robertson appears to be AWOL in the last few months uh, on the back. Uh, this is Paul saying, uh, do we know what New Zealand rugby stance is on this eligibility issue? I don't know why they'd block it. Would be great to get uh, him on the show to hear views, assuming he's still the CEO. A bit tongue in cheek there. Uh, Can you also ask him why the NACI are not being promoted? There's the real reason for the text, Paul. OK, got you. Uh, I got you there. Hasn't been uh, a test in Kampur since 2016. Neither spin nor seam has dominated. What are you basing your selection assertions on? If New Zealand can win the toss, they are a great chance to win this game, says JG. Well, I'll be honest with you, my uh, assertions on the pitch and in terms of the team selection come with uh, a fairly long chat I had with Mike Hesson. actually. I don't think there's anyone better placed to know the conditions. Uh, he's been touring around India and in those parts that now in the IPL, looking at those sorts of pitches in particular, and he believes that this pitch will turn uh, and he also, like me, believes that uh, if you look at the structure of the side that India have lined up without uh, Bumrah, without Mohamed Shami, then uh, it looks as if uh, they're going to base a lot of their effort in this test match, in particular this first one, in the spin department. That's all i got. I haven't been there, JG, for a long time. and haven't been to Kanpur since uh, I can't remember, really. Uh, so there you go. But I, I, I do believe it will spin. And even if traditionally it hasn't, it hasn't uh, turned in the past doesn't mean to say they can't make one that will and they can th- certainly if they seem to uh, make them overnight big talk big opinions the panel
0: talk, talk, talk me, yeah.
1: Yeah. well what a panel we've got this morning nikki Styrus has joined us uh, andrew gordy has joined us they're almost what you'd call teammates i guess uh, have been over the years so it's <laughs> nice to have them both on board uh, shall we start out, I've just been talking uh, folks to uh, Halei Te who of course uh, has a vested interest in whether Pacific Island players should be now uh, given uh, the opportunity to play for their countries of birth, but after a, a three-year stand-down period, at least I've got a, a defined time there, a three-year stand-down period. Uh, Nicky Styrus, uh, should this vote go through, should they be able to play for Tonga, Fiji, uh, for Samoa uh, after three years?
7: Morning, Smithy. Morning, Andrew. Um, look, I, in, in essence, I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, I, I like it. I think that there's a lot of players that uh, miss out on fantastic rugby careers because they either were coercive to going for a trial or played you know, one game for a top nation and then sort of went out into the wilderness. I think in essence, it is a fantastic idea and it will do nothing but strengthen um, the likes of the Pacific Island teams, which I think has to be you know, very, very good for global rugby um, on the whole and especially with the start of, you know, Moana Pacifica as well. Um, Where I would change things slightly is that um, rather than just a necessary sort of blanket three-year stand-down, I would uh, say if you make it an um, age-related stand-down period. So I would say, like, if you were under the age of 21, for instance, then you would have, say, a two-year stand-down. If you were under the age of 24, you might have a three-year stand-down. If you're over the age of 25, you might have a five-year stand-down. And the reason I say that is that way you are sort of negating the possibility of having uh, players that have had a successful career playing for One Nation and then in their twilight years go, oh, well, I'll just, you know, I'll just bide my time now and then I'll go off and play for my, you know, my Nation of Heritage. And I think that that's been sort of... um, dilutes the product a little bit. So that would be my suggestion. Of course, um, 75% don't know how to get maybe to get, to get across the line, so mm. it might not even happen yet.
1: No, it might not, Nikki, you're dead right. Um, double dipping, I think you're getting at there, and that, that's a fair point as well. Uh, first of all, belated um, birthday wishes to you, Andrew Gordy. Uh, another year on this earth, serving us well with your unbelievably good media skills. Um, so uh, let's hope that you're feeling... <laughs> Let's hope that you're fe- feeling well, feeling feeling well this morning, um, and able to make common sense with us. What What do you uh, What do you feel about this uh, eligibility rule? Because uh, it might become a bit of a story.
8: Well, first of all, Smithy, thank you very much. Um, and to answer your question, uh, well, I, I turned thirty eight years old yesterday, but I've got to tell you, I've got this horrendous back problem at the moment, which is making me feel like I'm about fifty eight. So. Um, yeah, I don't know <laughs> quite how, how I'll be going over the next wee while. But anyway, anyway, I digress. Um, I'm really fascinated by this eligibility issue, Smithy, um, because I reckon it's the, it's multi-layered and it's not as not as straightforward. I think as as it might seem to reasonable people who watch rugby. Um, I, I think on the face of it, absolutely, this is something that has to go through. I mean, because the Pacific Islands, in particular, and let's be clear, this is who this vote is really set up for. It's because the Pacific Islands have missed out on so much talent, which is, um, you know, players who have often represented, obviously, New Zealand, but, but, but a lot of other nations as well. And when you look at situations like what we've seen over, over, over recent weeks where we, the All Blacks play against uh, an Irish team with players like James Lowe and Bundy Aki, it's, it's absolutely farcical that some nations can benefit in that regard but nations like, like in the Pacific can't uh, benefit, I suppose, from players who have, who have represented other countries at test level. They, they can't then uh, have those players representing them down the track. So on, on the face of it, in that regard, this is absolutely something they have to vote yes for. On the flip side, I, I'm, I'm going to present you with a scenario, right, which makes this sort of scenario makes me a little bit uncomfortable for a, for a few reasons. Let's take Hoskins-Tutu, and I'm not for a, a second suggesting that this is something that Hoskins is thinking, right? But Hoskins-Tutu is 23 years old. There is every chance, obviously, that he is going to play for the All Blacks at the next World Cup. Now, I, I've been trying to do a bit of a dig around this morning to see exactly when his contract expires. But I think that that three-year stand-down period makes it ripe for players to abuse the system by, and let me, let me, let me explain, you might have a player who's in that sort of 20 to 25 age bracket. They have their contract expired directly after a World Cup. They play for a nation like New Zealand or Australia or whoever you might want to, a Tier 1 nation, let's just say, at a World Cup. They immediately leave after that to, to capitalise on the fact that they have represented a Tier 1 nation at a World Cup. They go and play overseas earn a lot of money for three years. And after that three years is finished, they can go and then represent another nation uh, a nation of, the, of their heritage, I suppose, at a World Cup. Now, I'm a little bit uncomfortable about how that situation is right to be abu- to be abused, and I think New Zealand rugby and other nations will be aware of this, and i would be really, really interested to see how concerned they are about that very scenario that I've just played out, that they might basically raise talent or, or, or bring talent through to represent New Zealand when they're you could argue at the development stage of the international career, but then it's the Pacific Island nations that capitalise on that player when they're at their peak age, I suppose, sort of that, I don't know, 28 to 30 age bracket. And I'd be fascinated Mm. to see how the other Tier 1 nations, based on that, intend to vote.
1: Yeah, interesting that. I'll throw a name at you then, uh, Gords. Try Devin Conway. Yeah,
7: absolutely.
8: Yeah, absolutely. And... And yes. New Zealand have obviously benefited from that, a hundred percent. And yep. and does that make it right or wrong? I mean, look, Devin Conway didn't didn't play for South Africa, obviously, um, and he he made a made a decision to come and and represent New Zealand. It's, it's yeah, I, I get what I understand what you're getting at. I think it is slightly different. Has Devin Conway abused that that sort of system? I, I don't I don't feel like he has.
1: No. Okay. Gordon, is it a um,
7: is it a yeah. is, Sorry, sorry, somebody. Is it a case of the fact that if you can um, increase the the value in that international jersey of those Pacific Island nations, so that you never get that scenario? Because these players, once once they want to play for their heritage nation, because they see the value in it, they don't get snapped up by you know um, overseas uh, nations, and so they do want to play for those the Tongas, the the Fijis, and the Samoas, and so that scenario doesn't uh, develop quite so easily? Well, to, to me, Nick,
8: um, I think it, it's it's going to be then, it's going to fall on New Zealand rugby to be really clever about how long they contract players for and, and how they stage that contract in. Um, so that like yeah. the scenario that I've just raised, so a player can either leave directly after a World Cup or in the year following a World Cup. It's the three-year thing that I, I think they're going to have to be clever about. They might say, well, look, if you want to play for New Zealand at the 2023 World Cup, and it's 2021 right now, we want you to sign a four-year contract so that we're locking you in yeah. for two World Cup cycles. Now, they're going to have to pay up for that, right? But they're going to have to pay overs, you would have to say, because they're saying to a player, look, we want to lock you in um, for your, your club future, your super rugby future, but also your international future because we want to make sure that you're playing for New Zealand across two World Cup cycles instead of one. And they're going to yeah. have to take overs up front to make sure that that
1: happens. Interesting. Yep. Interesting. We shall, we shall take a quick news break. Uh, and when we return, uh, we will still have Nicky Styrus and Andrew Gordy hopefully with us on the panel. Um, there's still heaps to talk about this morning, uh, including this Australian cricket soap opera. That's coming up shortly. Talk, Big
0: Opinions,
1: the panel. Andrew Gordy, Nikki Styrus with us this morning. And Nikki, I think last time we spoke uh, together, I would imagine England with the team, the Ashes team, under pressure. Their team was uh, a little bit disarray. They were looking for places to put their wives up so they could uh, at least bring a team over. Uh, And all of a sudden, (laughs) it's Australia who are in total disarray, this close to the test match starting Um, in around about 10, 12 days' time. Uh, What have you made of all this? From a woman's point of view in particular, what have you made of this?
7: (laughs) Oh, well, well, I hope I don't upset too many women when I give you my answer, but um, um, I'm actually on the side of Cricket Tasmania. I actually think that uh, Tim Payne has been um, thrown under the bus by Cricket Australia, and I think actually their behaviour towards him has been disgraceful. And these, these, this is my reasoning. First of all, um, Tim Payne was uh, named captain by Cricket Australia when they knew that this had already gone on four years ago. So they were quite happy to employ him then as their captain amidst all the Sandpaper Gate saga and give him the job of trying to improve you know, the culture of Cricket Australia, which I would arguably say he did, and yet it was only fine until the public found out about it. And then all of a sudden, it's not fine anymore, Uh, and, you know, sorry, we're going to have to get rid of you. Well, maybe they should have stopped and thought about that before they actually announced them, Captain, back then. And the other thing is, I would say, first of all, this was um, four years ago. It was a consensual act between two adults. It was not a repeated act. It didn't breach the Code of Conduct. In my view, it was a private matter. So why now is it suddenly become a cricket issue? I I just think he's been really, really poorly treated. And if this was a different scenario, if this was a scenario where a woman had been abused in any way, it wasn't consensual, um, there was a a code of conduct breach, different story, absolutely. But I just think that this has been um, Cricket Australia basically maybe going, hmm, well, Tom Payne's really not that great a cricket player, you know. Maybe this is a
1: good opportunity for us to get rid of him and bring in someone new. Maybe that's my view. Well, yeah, yeah, that is, and it's an interesting view as well. I must admit, I I'm tempering a wee bit on the whole deal as well. I, I, I it, it's to me, I I got a feeling, you know, they might pick him. I, I got a sneaking suspicion they might pick uh, Tim Payne, which is an interesting one in itself. I mean, he 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 gave away the captaincy of his own. Volition, although you get, the, you get the feeling it would have been stripped from him anyway, but he made the first move there. But I, I got a sneaky, they might, they might pick him to play anyway, and I also don't quite understand or don't know who their, their captain's going to be. If it was going to be Pat Cummins as the uh, named deputy, why haven't they named it straight away and just put all this to bed?
8: Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, like, so, yeah, se- several points to, to cover off there, I suppose. Firstly on, should they pick Tim Payne? Well, I, I've got to say that one of the, one of the funniest things i found, and, and let me make this clear, I think this whole episode is hilarious um, for, for, for Cricket Australia. I mean, what an absolute nightmare for them uh, to be dealing with on the Eve of the Ashes series. Um, one of the one of the interesting points I found was um, the response of the the British uh, of the British cricket fans and the British media. I uh, found one one uh, tweet particularly uh, hilarious where someone said, "I don't know why why everyone's finding this so funny. Cricket Australia is now going to pick a guy who's a better wicketkeeper, a better batsman, and a better captain." And that if that's how that's... the English view Tim Payne, um, then perhaps we we won't and we shouldn't see him. Uh, selected for the first Ashes test. Um, I also wonder Smithy like if, if you did decide to select Tim Payne as a purely as a wicketkeeper and a batsman, what an enormous distraction on the field, off the field, everywhere. It would just be, I would argue, potentially an unnecessary distraction. And and is it worth? Is Tim Payne so good? That and so much better than the next cab off the rank that you're going to pick him and put up with all the all the distractions that come with it. I'm not sure that it would necessarily be worth it. Uh, to to be perfectly honest. Now, in terms of who should be the next captain of Australia, I think this is a, I think this is a fascinating uh, situation for a, that a cricket Australia find themselves in. I mean, let's face it. Who's the obvious choice here? Who should be taking over, and who you would want? Who's the experienced hand? Who's the who's the guy who's the natural locker room leader who should be taking over? It is without doubt
2: Steve Smith.
8: Now, let's. Uh, if Steve Smith doesn't get the captaincy after this, he can kiss goodbye to ever ever captain in Australia again. And uh, Cricket Australia on on the, that same team, what a decision they have on their hands here because they've decided clearly that. They've had to take the moral high ground in this in this situation. We can't have the captain of, of Australia going through such public embarrassment like this. Well, how you, your stocks can't be any lower, frankly. The integrity of Cricket Australia can't be any lower. So this is arguably the perfect time to reinstate Steve Smith. Because how's everyone going to forget about this? By winning the Ashes. And I would argue that having Steve Smith as captain gives you the best chance of winning the Ashes.
1: Mm, Nicky, uh, I'm sure you've talked about it in the household, but... Have you uh, have you have you forgiven have you forgiven Steve Smith to the point where, um, as Andrew said, now's the time.
7: Oh look, again, Andrew's right. It, it, it's hilarious the whole thing, the way it's played out. And the fact of the matter is, if they do reinstate Steve Smith, what a contradiction in itself. I mean, you, you, you've just got yeah. rid of somebody like Tim Tim Payne. Going well, he can't do it because you know we've taken the moral high ground. Yet we're going to reinstate somebody who got us into this mess four years ago. It's just like, it's it's, it's laughable, but um, but yes, he is the obvious choice, um, and you know, he holds position in the team, I, I don't know about Pat Cummins, I don't know about having a fast bowler, and like Andrew said, if they were going to appoint him, they probably would have done it by now, I, I'm intrigued, I'm intrigued as to see, is there another candidate? I, I can't see that there is.
1: Uh, well, Pat Cummins is the obvious uh, one that they Well,
7: no, sorry, part lined no up
1: part no. yeah, yeah, well, the... Yeah, the thing about Pat Cummins for me is uh, uh, when they appointed Pat Cummins as the vice-captain for this particular series, uh, I don't think for any... Uh, they clearly didn't think that Tim Payne was going to go through this scenario. So been, Pat Cummins was just a backup captain. He was someone in the dressing room who people respect, um, who they could go to if they had an issue with Payne or whatever. He was the support group. Uh, And I I would imagine also they didn't uh, imagine that Pat Cummins or or might not imagine that he was going to be available for all five test matches. It's a tough, long series. These days they tend Mm. to rest and rotate a lot more than they used to. Uh, And that's why I'm I'm not quite sure whether they ever intended Pat Cummins to be the test match captain for this series, and that is the issue that they're going through. Now, add to that, um, George Bailey is the convener of the, of one of these selection panels and heavily involved in this. He's great mates with Tim Payne, they're business partners. They got the same manager. I mean, it's, it is it, it just continues on. It just it's so messy. Let's get away from it, shall we? Um, let's let's get to a really easy subject to debate. Um, the All Black postmortem, uh, mortem Nicky Styris, out of ten, uh, where do you rate this All Black uh, this All Black year out of ten? Uh, and what would be the first thing? If you were chairman of the review committee, the first thing you'd look at?
7: Oh, ouch. Shit, you really, you're really you pulling me out of my comfort zone now, Smitty. Um, I'm no rugby guru. I would probably, out of 10... Oh, well, I mean, your All Blacks do have very high standards. I'm probably going to give them six and a half, seven. Um, mm. I, I mean, oh. they still won a considerable number of... I don't know. Shit. Um, the first thing I would do... I don't know, I still have my doubts around Ian Foster. I would love to see Scott Robertson in there, I really would. I'd love to see him have a crack before the next World Cup. I don't think they'll do that well if they've got faith in Foster anyway. But um, I'm not convinced that he has found the right plan, that he's found the right game plan to to, um, counter this rush defence that they keep encountering when they go over to these teams and I, I just know now there's no enigma around the All Blacks anymore, these, these Northern Hemisphere teams we'll be looking at the All Blacks going they're so beatable, you know we've just done it two weeks in a row rather than sort of sporadically and I just think they've got to, oh, they've got to do something before this next World Cup rolls around and Foster says he's had the plan but I don't know I'm, I'm not convinced, I'm not convinced at all, so yeah probably 6.5 out of 10
1: I don't know. Good. Good sum it up for us, come on then Nicky, I think you're very generous. I'd give the All Blacks five out of ten
8: for this, uh, oh. this season. I think they have, and the reason is they have they have done exactly the things that we would expect them to do, but haven't overachieved in any sense in terms of how they how they finish the year. So it's a five out of ten Three. for me. Um, I'm I'm deeply concerned about how some of the some of the things we take for granted for for All Blacks teams, and 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 by that I mean. Uh, in terms of physicality, uh, always being the most physical team on the field and skill execution uh, that is on another planet, neither of those things have been present uh, for every All Blacks game this year. In terms of the coaching situation, that's a really tricky one for me because I personally, when when New Zealand Rugby announced that they were extending Ian Foster's contract, I felt like it was the only fair thing to do because at that point, at that point, and I stress that at that point. Ian Foster really couldn't have done anything else uh, to prove that he was worthy of a contract extension. And then I suppose it was really just a a question of, are you going to allow this this man to to go away for an extended period of time, coach this team uh, without having certainty around his future? Now, you could have argued that if they didn't give him a contract extension, that would have been unfair on him. But now we're looking at it through the lens of, they've been away, they've been underwhelming, they've lost two crucial games at the end of the season, and now we're all questioning it, aren't we? Do, is Ian Foster the right guy? Does he have a plan? He says he's got a plan. I can't sit here and confidently say that, the plan, that, one, he has a plan, and, two, that the plan's going to work. And all the while, we all know that there is this outstanding outstanding coach. He's proved he's an outstanding coach. Um, sitting down there in Christchurch, and, and that's never going to go away. That's never going to go away. For the next two years ahead uh, of this World Cup, we're always going to be sitting there wondering whether this All Blacks team could be performing better if they had Scott Robertson at the helm. And that's going to be a massive challenge for Ian Foster over the next uh, the next six months, the next year. It's proving to everyone that he can get the best out of this playing group.
1: Andrew Gordy, Nicky Styrus, outstanding as I suspected that you would be. Andrew, look after your back. Uh, Nicky, you go away and look after your husband. That's all I can suggest. Uh, it is now 10.44 here on SENZ. Uh, when we come back, uh, some text that uh, you've uh, kindly sent in. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we'll talking to Louie and uh, Pip before 11 o'clock.
0: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
1: Chris says, how good are these female panellists? Nikki dropping S-bombs. Kimberly and Lavina telling it how it is. And the lads do a good job too. Excellent stuff. Keep it up, team. Uh, Chris Finn's down. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, very opinionated, that's why we get them on there, and very honest and upfront too. Love it, absolutely love it. Uh, would Steve Smith want to captain Australia again, says Horse? Yes, he would, no doubt about it. Um, absolutely want to. And he's played a pretty cool game, Steve Smith, since uh, his reintroduction into the team. He's dodged any bullets that might have been flying his way. He stayed out of the flack, um, and he's just gone on and done his business, which is uh, about scoring runs, and he uh, hasn't been in the best of form all the time, but certainly still warrants his place in the side with bat in hand. Uh, yes, I think he would absolutely love to captain Australia again. Uh, why is it usually batsmen that captain cricket teams? Well, um, one of the reasons why is, is that uh, they, they're less susceptible to injury. They are often more available over a longer period of time. I mean, you can predict the batsmen could be in the side for the next three to four years. When you look to a point of captain, you look for that kind of longevity. With a bowler, you just don't know. I'm not saying that they haven't got the brains to captain sides. They very, very much have so. And they're deep thinkers about the game. And often they're the guys that come into the dressing room at the end of the day with an opinion, why didn't we do this? Why didn't we do that? Um, So, yeah, I I don't have a problem with uh, them captaining the side. Uh, The issue is always about availability, sustainability, which is exactly the the thing you need to have in your captain. Uh, 1051, when we come back, uh, we'll be uh, trying to help you out with a bet for the day.
0: Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz
7: update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan.
1: Well, it's a Wednesday, which means generally a pretty good race day, both sides of the Tasman, and that is the case again today, Louis. Yes, Smithy,
2: Today, The track will be fair and the horses will be fast. Uh, I have to be careful with you today. I can't afford to get myself in any more trouble. Otherwise, Joe will have to be in charge of breakfast and then God knows what will happen. Um, But look, (laughs) we had Michael McNabb on this morning who tipped us a little bit into Midnight Special in race two. He's riding for Jamie Richardson at a barrier seven, a really nice first-up effort. 1,200 metres again, which looks like this horse's go. Um, I think it's a pretty decent each-way chance at the odds you're getting right now at the TAB, $4.50 and eighty. There are a couple in the, in the, on the card that I was really interested in seeing, and, and one in particular, which Michael McNabb, again, sounded a bit surprised on Vulture Street in race seven. Has this stable been flying or what? David green been going super. So it's had the plunge from $6 to $4. dollars We're interested to know by your TAB rep if there's a bit of a liability there, but Michael McNabb seemed to have not got the mail because he thought, ah, that's very interesting. Now, I'll leave you with this city as well. Tomorrow, so that's a Tauranga today, so there's a couple of nice chances. I mean, there's great even racing right across the card. Um, there's a couple of super race super horses going around. Pandemic in race number nine. I'll be watching the Breaker Maiden as well. But tomorrow, Otaki, we've got stakes racing, and the markets are already open for the Levin mm. Stakes and the Lucia uh, Valentina Wellington Stakes. And there's a horse going around tomorrow I'm very excited about called also it for Stephen Marsh with huge last start and $3.60 right now I'll be having some
1: okay thanks very much Lou. Louis we'll keep an eye on that uh yeah it is a feature race day too and quite often they do have them uh, at Otaki, which is pretty cool don't mind a midweek uh, feature uh Pip Morris joins us from uh the TAB's point of view today uh Greyhound racing today at Invercargill love the uh Escott track because it it's got a long straight, it gives opportunities for dogs to run down other dogs, etc. But um, that's probably not on your mind as such, although we'd love a tip from you. What, what are the TAB offering today?
7: Got plenty to look forward to. Smitty, yep, Invercargill first race, not far away, the 10-race card. I do like one in race number three there, calculated risk. I think should go back-to-back back for Ashley Bradshaw, and she looks like she'll get the Quinella. Of course, her as well. We've got a $25,000 guaranteed late quaddie there. 10-race card, race number one, starts at one thirty-eight, And bonus-back races, one and two, Smitty, are the best-backed. In race number one is Classico, Danielle Johnson, Jamie Richards, 4.2 into 3.50, and Midnight's
1: in race number two as well 5.15 to 4.5 for those bonus bat races Okay Pip, thank you very much for that, we'll keep an eye on those uh, particular options and those chances as uh, outlined there, great uh, It's uh, 10.59, nearly time for the news with Trudy and just time to tell you that Murph is coming up uh, after the break, Greg Murphy in his uh, motor racing slot Bathurst not too far away, not going to be there uh, but he'll be regretting that, I'm sure. Um, also, Lewis Hamilton to talk about. Uh, and then, uh, also, we've got our uh, com- comedian slot, haven't we, uh, coming up? Yeah, we have. Tony Lyle.
0: CNZ. Day or night, summer or winter, he's the sound of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith
1: on SENZ. 3 and yes uh, Trudy just confirming that race c- control will be tonight because uh, we've got ball by ball coverage of the cricket uh, tomorrow night and the next uh, five nights hopefully if the game goes uh, that far so um, Murph and MacIver tonight on race control Murph has joined us now and of course uh, we've been talking about uh, the prospect of uh, Bathurst for quite some time we've been wondering whether Murph himself would be there that's a no um, but uh, I guess that doesn't uh, take away from the feeling that it's close, Murph, from your point of view. Good morning to you. Yes,
9: Murdy, absolutely, it is close, and it's, it's sort of interesting that um, you know it is—it's the latest ever running of the, the Bathurst One Thousand and December, but you know it's probably separated itself a little bit more from some of the other sports uh, around the place and. And I think that might actually work pretty well for it this year. Just uh, people will be very much looking forward to it. Last year there was no crowd at Bathurst. It's, um, I think it's going to be a pretty much open slather uh, sort of deal this year, so there should be a pretty good atmosphere and I think um, there's a lot of fans, certainly Australia and New Zealand that will um, should be focused on sitting down and, and spending the day uh, in front of the in front of the box watching the great race so um, it's sort of got a, I think it's actually starting to build a pretty good vibe at the moment.
1: Where does it sit, Murph? Uh, for for those, uh, I mean, you won it four times. Where does it sit? Um, and also, w- which what was your your favourite of the four?
2: Yeah, it
9: it's just still sits there. I mean, I, I think more so now than ever as a as a uh, a serious, you know, internationally recognised event. I mean, it always was, but I think um, you know, just it started to to get more of that kind of flavour to it, and maybe that was helped by. Um, an event that um, usually runs in February, which is the Bathurst 12 Hour, which uh, brings in a whole lot of international teams to come race there in GT cars. And I think that's uh, just highlighted the event even more because there's more international drivers coming over to do that that are are realising what a significant place, race, you know, racetrack that it really is. And and there's more and more people that I think want to come and and, uh, participate in the actual Bathurst 1000. Than ever before, it's just uh, still a little bit tricky at the moment, and and it does sort of, I suppose, um, uh, still you know, favors those that are driving supercars on a more regular basis. So, I mean, it is it's definitely one of the, the big races on the international calendar for sure. Um, and for, uh, try, you can't really separate the four. I no was very lucky to win four, four we're not lucky, but fortunate, whatever you want to put it. Uh, win for uh, Bathurst one thousand, and and they were all significant. Um, for their own reasons. You know, you win your first one, well, that's, that's massively significant. The second one, we weren't, we weren't expected to win. We were we were definitely a roughy, and we managed to take it out through, you know, great teamwork and just a great driving combination. And then the third one, um, it was special because 2003, you know, Qualified and pole with with uh, you know the new lap record there, and and then the fourth one was back to back with Rick Kelly two in a row. So you know there's significance for for all of them, and hate to try and you know uh, label them um, in, in a in a new numeric order.
1: Okay, then we'll, we won't ask you to uh, to do that, Meth. What we will ask you about though is it's it's not just a race. I mean, it it is, it is for those people watching on TV. It's a race as such. But it's more than that. It's like a, it's like a week, isn't it? I mean, uh, I, 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 tell us a wee bit about. From my point of view, Bathurst is pretty small itself. So where do, you, where do you guys yep. all stay? is it a, is it, is it like you set up uh, motorhomes or the luxurious motorhomes, etc.? What, what, what is, what is, is it about the little little idiosyncrasies about Bathurst? Yeah,
9: absolutely. They're, you know, Bathurst is. Um, A reasonably, well, it's grown a lot over the years. It's become quite a significant sort of, um, you know, town in New South Wales, um, city in New South Wales. Um, I don't know what the population is now. It's probably 60 or 70,000, something like that, I suppose, in the surrounding areas. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, But it, it swells, obviously, massively during this time, and the amount of people that do turn up there... And now these days, too, the the, um, the amount of camping that goes on there has just grown over the years. The requirement for it has is, is just expanded massively. And there's, there's literally, um, I think, uh, from last time I heard, there's over 20,000 campers there now, you know, from the public perspective coming in and, and setting up. And this time around, you know, we, it's, uh, it's changed a bit because the, the event itself is going to be run longer um, to take in uh, more uh, support categories that have been struggling to obviously get some track time as well. So there's a bit of a combination uh, this year of a, a supercars uh, forming with another organisation that runs um, a category called TCR and a bunch of other support categories. that are all sort of combined and put their differences aside and, and uh, sponsorships and all sorts of things aside to, to have this massive festival, which is going to be a six-day deal starting on next Tuesday. Uh, so it's 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 a huge one this year round. But for the teams and everyone, yeah, it's 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 always tricky, you know, finding uh, accommodation and the like. A lot of houses are rented out. Um, the locals see an opportunity to to make some money, move in with some friends, or leave the area for a, for a short time, and and uh, rent their houses out to teams and, and spectators as well. Uh, so that's significant. The draw. A lot of the drivers stay at the track. They do get some motorhomes, camper vans, and and just actually you know, bunk in there. And and it makes it really easy, obviously, not having to worry about getting in and out of the circuit. Because uh, it, it's it's crazy when there's when it's a, a full crowd. Just the the atmosphere is just it really is phenomenal. And it is a bucket list thing for a lot of people. But it it's one of those things that even if you've got some sort of small interest in sport or or motorsport, you know you've got to go and actually be there and feel it um, because, you, you, you know, the television, as we know, um, does its best to create atmosphere, but there's nothing like actual the, the vibe and the aura of, of actually being, being a part of it. So it is it is significant. It's only been getting bigger and bigger too and the popularity of it. And it's become much more family orientated back in the, the 90s and, and uh, early 2000s. I mean, up at the top of the hill, it certainly had a reputation and it was a pretty rough one and a pretty full on, um, it was the uh, full epitome of Bogan up the top there for a very long time, and uh, it's changed a lot. they have managed to calm that down a bit and make it a little bit more family-orientated.
1: Okay, so, Meth, um what about this year? Um, do you, you, I mean, you know every inch of this track, and you know everything about this race. W- will you sit at home glued? Uh, you know you spend the whole thing there absolutely focused everyone else out of the room or whatever i just need to concentrate how, how will greg murphy <laughs> do it This, you know you know what i'm saying i mean i, I get that with a, with the odd horse race every now and then but i'm not a uh, a race of that longitude and that nature well, how will you view it
9: i was going to come right to your place Murphy. actually um, <laughs> we were gonna, you know sit there and have a have a couple of quiets while we uh you know, you know watch it and, we'll just commentate, we'll commentate to each other what's going on or something like that, I don't know. I, I haven't really thought about it, to be honest, too much because this year is very unique for me, um, incredibly unique. I mean, last year, last year was unique because um, I wasn't, uh, wasn't able to get over there and, uh, and I was supposed to be there working and that all, all fell through, um, again, through the COVID situation. So, um, you know, I, I didn't go for the first time since 1994 uh, to, to the great race. And, you know, I had never missed one in between. Um, so I was at Hamden Downs last year and we were, you know, New Zealand was, was pretty uh, pretty open and, and um, you know, there was no restrictions. So I was at Hamden Downs with uh, a fairly large group of people, um, you know, watching it and doing some hot laps and bits and pieces. This year round, it's 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 different again, you know. We're, we're still obviously under some restrictions. So um, I I haven't really sort of thought about too much, but, you know, I, I definitely will be. Uh, somewhere close to a, a TV and um and spending spending the time a fair bit of the time but I won't be I won't be getting too caught up in uh the seriousness of it all and and um I won't be analyzing too closely it's pretty it's a pretty long day and uh I you know it'll be different for me to to actually uh you know partake in a very different way this year so I'm 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 sort of pretty open at the moment
1: where to um okay Shane van Gisbergen uh wrapping up yep. the title um that was a given um, we saw Scott McLaughlin move on from supercars uh, after a certain point. Where two for apart from the obvious uh, um, answer is Bathurst shortly. Uh, where do, where two for the giz? Um, Maybe uh, slightly longer term. Do you think?
9: Oh, uh, I think he's pretty. I think he's pretty set in stone. Um, uh, in in certainly in the supercar world for for quite a long time. I mean, he's a, a very very uh desired commodity when it comes to a driver in a category like this. And I think he probably if if we if the COVID situation hadn't um had such control over over his his current plans and futures we would see him probably doing more racing overseas as well, fitting in around a supercar championship. I mean he's he has spent quite a lot of time previously um doing races overseas, like the Daytona twenty four hour and and uh, a bunch of other stuff in GT cars um, as well, and I think he enjoys that. So I think he just would like to be mixing in a bit more international stuff around, focusing as a core championship on on the supercars, um, and that's where I think he's the season thirty I don't think he has now at uh, what is he 32? I think um, I don't think he really has any desire to to be uh, packing up shop and and heading off and doing what Scott did. Scott's you know quite a bit younger, um, and uh, had a you know uh, had such an amazing. First few years in supercars, it gave him that ability to, to uh, you know, look at something else and, and grab a new challenge, whereas I think Shane, um, you know, probably wants to spread his wings a bit more but but continue to win races and supercars and more championships. I mean, he has the ability for sure uh, to become, if you know, one of the greats, if not the great. I mean, Jamie Woodcup at the moment has seven championships and Shane's got two, but he's got a whole lot more years left in him and he has the potential probably to, to um, you know, Start to shake that tree a bit and and, and uh, push himself right at that list a bit. Maybe be the greatest.
1: Let's uh, talk about our weekly update with Hamilton and Verstappen. Uh, a little bit closer now <laughs> after uh, after the last weekend in Qatar. The, it's far from over this story.
9: It is far from over. It just uh, keeps getting a little bit better and a little bit more tight. Um, you know, the the, the rock throwing still going on a fair bit between the two teams, which is keeping it pretty interesting. Um, Hamilton had, had a bit of an advantage again on the weekend with the Mercedes over the Red Bull. Um, and they, the two of them were just in a class of their own, really. At the end of it all, Max got a, a penalty, um, a, a grid penalty for, well, they say, disobeying a yellow flag, um, which again was a bit of a point of conjecture, uh, which put him back in seventh. But he was back up into second before too, before too long at the Qatar. Um, but that's really where he was going to be. If he'd got in front at the start, if he'd been on the front row and got, in the, got in the front, you know, you know, there's potential that he might have been able to hold him off, uh, hold uh, Hamilton off, but, um, I mean, we, we never got to see that. But the Merc is, is very strong at the moment, and I think this weekend at um, Saudi Arabia uh, gives an opportunity for him to level the playing field a little bit for Max because it's a new circuit um, and uh, street circuits that might suit that Red Bull a little bit more than it suits the Mercedes so uh, we'll see what happens but yeah, it's going to go down to the wire I mean, as long as the two of them continue to finish the races, we're going to have a, I think a bit of a barnstormer at the end at um, at Abu Dhabi uh, next week with a bit of luck
1: Murph, race control uh, night early this week because of our cricket coverage, Uh, so uh, you've had a a day less to ring around, what have you come up with? (laughs) I've
9: had a day less Um, I'm going to have a chat to young Australian driver Matt Campbell who's a um, factory Porsche driver has been overseas at uh, Daytona Le Mans, he's been at Petit Le Mans just recently, he's back in Australia at the moment to do Bathurst um, he's, a, he's a super talent, really lovely young young man doing amazing things overseas so we're going to have a, have a chat to him about his, his year and also um, what's it like to back into a supercar um, so we've got him on, Avalon's going to be on talking a little bit of uh, motorbike stuff we've been trying to get hold of Shane but I'm um, not sure if he's avoiding the calls or um, maybe uh, waylaid celebrating um, a championship. So we're not sure if we're going to have him or not. But, um, yeah, I've got some, uh, some good stuff on again, as usual. Uh, and, yeah, it's been a little bit tougher this week trying to organise a day early. But uh, we'll make it work.
1: Okay. Murph, as always, great to catch up, mate. Thank you. Um, Thanks, mate. And uh, look forward to the show tonight. Thank you. Uh, Greg Murphy You're there uh, with his usual uh, spot uh, with us. Uh, On a a Wednesday, so just reminding you, yes, race control tonight, not tomorrow night. Uh, We'll come back with uh, some text for you uh, very shortly. You've been busy this morning on a number of issues. Um, And also, of course, there's uh, a chance to stump Smithy around about uh, 11.30. Uh, And also uh, we have um, our our comedian, Tony Lyle, on uh, later this morning. Uh, I didn't realise he was the ground announcer. Uh, Maybe the ground announcer at Eden Park. What's it like doing that job, trying to uh, rile the crowd? And he won't have much to do. I don't think there's too much cricket at Eden Park this year. So how's he going to spend his summer? Uh, So that'll be around about 11.40 this morning.
0: From behind the stumps to behind the mic, you're in safe hands. It's Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's Baz's and Izzy's Radio Frequencies. It's Baz's and Izzy's Radio Frequencies.
1: She walks real slow. Wow. Uh, Baz and Izzy are putting a spotlight on SENZ's Wellington Frequency this time around. It's 7.11am le- in Wellington and giving you the chance to win $711.00 with Baz and Izzy's Radio Frequencies. To make it even easier for you, here's an answer to one of the 10 questions tomorrow. We'll give you five throughout the day. Here's uh, our one on our show. Uh, Interesting question in itself. Which Kiwi woman was a two-time Ironman world champion? I don't even think we can say that these days, but uh, that is uh, what it was back in those days. Which Kiwi woman was a two-time Ironman world champion? Answer... The legendary Aaron baker what an athlete what an athlete so Aaron baker is our answer um, and tune in this afternoon with staffy and then uh, later on in the, the day you've got uh, kirsty and beaver of course between four and seven and they will give you uh, answers as well. well make it as easy as possible for you to get 711 dollars lots and lots of texts have come in on a number of uh, issues today uh, the Morning Smithy, it looks like the Indian batting lineup will be pretty new. Only experienced batsmen are uh, Rahani and Pujara for the first test. Uh, we might even see Kohli uh, playing because his training with the team. We, we talked about this before, but uh, I didn't realise that Cahill Rahul was out as well. Now, Cahill Rahul is a fine player. Mayanka uh, will come into play there. Suresh Aya uh, will also come into play as well. So uh, they they won't be a poor batting side, as such, but certainly uh, when you look at that from a bowling point of view, uh, you get slightly more encouraged than normally you would if you had uh, all those other players with Rohit Sharma, uh, Virat Kohli, uh, Hanger, Kale Rahul. Particularly if you don't get early wickets, that represents a long, long time in the hot sun in the field. So, um, pretty cool. Pretty cool in that regard. Um, there's a really quite a sizeable one that's come in um, from Tyson. New texter for me. Tyson, anyway, thanks very much for doing that. Uh, Let's be honest, New Zealand has the most to lose from the Pacific players playing um, uh, after the ABs. Two awesome points. First, Gordy's point on contract periods between World Cup cycles. Second, Nikki's on making the uh, Pacific Island jersey more attractive. On that, imagine a Joe Smith or Razor coaching a Fiji, Samoa or Tonga. Uh, That combined with players uh, perhaps choosing their country of heritage over the ABs would be deadly. Yes, it would probably hinder their super rugby pay packets, perhaps, but there is always the European club's great opportunity for players, but also for coaches, for Aaron Major, etc. Great for the game of rugby. Uh, Cam has come in and said, Razor is a very good super rugby coach. What makes anyone think that he'll be a great all-black coach? And what makes people think he can change it all in two years? When has an all-black team in the professional era been on the road for 14 weeks straight without family and friends? They will bounce back next year when hopefully they are able to travel uh, away from home and play in front of their loving fans. Cheers. Cheers, as always, uh, Cam. Um, also, um, here's an, an interesting one too. Hi, uh, Smithy JD. Toki Tokahuo Vai, and... Tauki, uh, It's just the spelling wasn't quite right. Tauki, Vai, and Reese should play for their countries for Berth, uh Tonga and Fiji. Imagine how much better they could be. We all want to see that. The international game is stronger. Cheers, uh Anthony, where do you stand on this, uh, JD? Where's your point of view? Um, Do you think the vote will go ahead uh, um, as a matter of right uh, as as quickly as we think? Yeah, it's an interesting
0: one. Having to get 75% for something to pass is a new one for me. In democracy, Smithy, I always thought 50% was good enough and then the weighting of the votes. Like Italy, a crap at rugby, right? They, They hardly ever win. Yet they've got three votes. Tonga has zero votes at world rugby level. So it's unfair from the start. Um, who has the most to gain? Pacific Islands, who has the most to lose? Teams like Italy uh, will never, ever reach a World Cup quarterfinal. They haven't yet, uh, but they won't get the chance if teams like Italy, uh, if Samoa and Tonga get stronger. I hope it goes through tonight, though, Smithy, because I think you can have two nations, especially there's a lot of Pacific Islanders in New Zealand who feel like Kiwis, and they feel like they're from their home country as well. So I think they should be allowed to play for both, and I just really hope it goes through because I think it'll make Pacific rugby stronger, it'll make world rugby stronger, and I think it's legit, Smithy. I think it should be voted through for the right reasons. I can only see the wrong reasons for it uh, to be turned down, the likes of America, Canada, Italy, Uruguay, all these other nations feeling under threat if the Pacific Island nations get stronger, but we often pilfer players, Smithy, and I think it's time we gave some back. I mean, guys like Malakai Fekitoa. Uh, Shannon Frazel uh, you know, the born and bred Islanders who we spotted and brought them over f- for talent camps. And then the money is so good to be in all black that, of course, you want to be an all black. If you can get paid half a million dollars rather than $500 for representing Tonga, which one are you going to pick, Smithy? So I hope it goes through.
1: Well, you know, if you took a poll, right, this is an interesting thing for me. Uh, if you took a poll of uh, New Zealand secondary school rugby players, um, a lot of whom are of course of uh, Polynesian extraction uh, in one way or another, not necessarily born there, but have uh, those family ties, I, I wonder um, what they'd go for now, uh, bearing in mind, w- would you say, uh, and how much influence would the parents and, and uh, the church and, and that sort of thing be in on their decision here, uh, who would you rather play for? I, I think up until now... All black, yeah. All blacks. Yep. Uh, all blacks would be the number one priority. I wonder if that will be the case. If you can say all blacks, and then wait for three years. If this goes through, cross our fingers. If this goes through, uh, to have a crack at the All Blacks as your initial goal, and then you'll have to stand down for three years. In that three years time, you might be able to to play uh, Super Rugby, but you might also be able to go to overseas. If you show some raw talent, you might get picked up overseas. You might even want to go to league. You might go to league and then come back and play. Uh, for those Pacific Island countries. Is there any stand-down period for that? I don't think so. Uh, I wouldn't be thinking there is in that respect. So there are more, more and more options, and that's what I like about it, more options for these. They're just not closed off once and for all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And um, Harley Topolo brought up a great example, Ben Artinger Went to the Rugby World Cup, played one game off the bench, couldn't play international rugby for the rest of his life because he played one game off the bench for the All Blacks. They didn't want him anymore because the All Blacks do kind of use and abuse players, don't they? They're not, you know, they're looking for the next big thing. So, so many guys are via Fafida, you know, you can name heaps of them who the All Blacks just bring in for a couple of tests and then they're gone and that's it, you know. Um, I'm glad World Rugby is kind of changing the residency rule as well. At the end of the year, it won't be three years anymore, it'll be five years. Because I think that's the real problem, Smithy. People who aren't even Irish going moving to Ireland for three years and becoming Irish. Um, I think it's mm. much better that we get players playing for two different countries if you have associations and clear ties to both of those countries. I don't see any problem in representing two nations in rugby.
1: OK. Uh, we'll leave it at that on that particular issue for the day, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll wait with uh, bated breath on the vote, which happens overnight. Uh, one final text before uh, 1130 uh, John take a note of this to you too Brian will you please uh, and pass it on to those powers that be within the company can we please cut that introduction out Izzy should not sing so can you take a note of that please noted note that. noted uh, okay noted in the meantime uh, can we go uh, to uh, 0800 811, folks 0800 as we head towards the news with Trudy it's time to ring up and stump smithy Ian Smith's had a good match here.
7: Stumped by Smithy.
1: Ian Smith really is top class at his job.
0: It's that time again. 50 bucks from the TAB and some sleep drops. Daytime revive New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. And it is a quiz, of course, where you're up against Smithy. And if you get one wrong, he can stump you. Jared from Christchurch. G'day, mate. G'day, John. How are you going? Yeah. Blooming good, thanks, mate. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. I thought I'd better come back on the show uh, and, and genuinely uh, beat Smithy this time after he
3: uh, nicely gave me the voucher last time.
0: Ah, yes, of course, Jared. Yeah, yeah, you got Smithy on a good day then, When if he's giving things away without getting things right. He normally likes people to get things right to give away things on this uh, competition. <laughs> Fair enough, too. Alright, mate. Let's have a look at the categories. Soccer, Rugby Union and Tennis. Which one of those do you like?
3: Oh, uh, we'll go um, Rugby Union.
0: Rugby Union. Yeah, how are you feeling at the end of the season? Well, we asked our panellists uh, today to give the All Blacks a score out of 10. What would you give them? Five. Five. Yeah. Not terrible, but not great. Yeah. Let's hope you get more than five. Well, you just need three out of three here. Let's go. Okay. Question number one. Which New Zealand team has had the longest Super Rugby title drought? Not of all time, so who was, yeah, so... Who was the last New Zealand team to win a Super Rugby title? Uh Auckland. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Is my question clear, Smithy?
1: Is that clear what enough? You're it's, what, you're, what you're saying is, is that who's the, the, who's been, it's been the longest for who yeah. to win a super title yeah. in New Zealand, right? Yeah. Uh, that, did you understand the question, Jared? It's been the longest for who to win, and who hasn't won it for the longest time, in other words? You want to have another go? Because I think the Blues maybe yeah. picked up one last year. Or this year. Yeah. This year.
0: Yeah. Mm. yeah sorry, I might you want to have another
1: go, question. Jared? Yeah, I was a bit yeah. confusing. Okay, we'll get... Because we're good buggers, we'll let you have another crack. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Uh who, who will it be?
3: Um, uh, Waikato.
0: Gee. That's a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and where it goes. Uh, we got there, Jared. Well done, mate. It is the Chiefs. 2013 since they last won a
1: Super Rugby uh, title. Yep. Of so, yeah. Jeez, we're kind. Seems we're <laughs> kind to you, Jared, aren't we? What, what is it about you that we? <laughs> well, I know. I, I, yeah, I feel blessed.
0: <laughs> oh well, that, that charity might run out with this next question. We'll wait and see. Who holds the world record for the most tries scored in a rugby test match?
1: Uh,
3: the most tries in a
1: rugby test match. Yeah, uh, Mark Ellis. That's a couple of chips down the
0: wicket right in the slot underwear it goes the orange juice man former Auckland warrior and of course smithy you'll remember his six tries against Japan came, was it? yeah sure was they reckon if he passed it that day Jeff Wilson would have scored 10 <laughs> so good on your mark <laughs> ah, Alice you're still right. on the record books and you're still alive Jared one question right wow. good to see mate last question France are many people's favourites for the 2023 World Cup in France. Where are France currently ranked in the World Rugby Rankings?
4: Three.
0: One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Smithy, chance for a stumping and a jackpot for tomorrow. No more charity for Mm. Jared. No, no more
1: charity. Uh, This is a genuine attempt here. I'm going to say we're... uh, we are uh, now down to number two. I, I know that for a fact. Uh, so does that make France number one?
5: One of the worst things I have oh, ever seen God. done on a cricket field.
0: They maybe should be, uh, but the Springboks are still one. We're two. England are three. Ireland are four, and France are number five. Which means that Jared, five. you do walk away with fifty bucks from the TAB, but no sleep trips yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, you're jammy, mate. Well done.
3: I am, and I, 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 I genuinely won this time, Smitty.
1: You did. Uh you did it unfortunately. Um and uh, I'm not I'm not that happy about it, mate. So I'm expecting it sometime <laughs> in the future. Sometime in the future, Jared, uh you're gonna call through and we're gonna nail you, all right? That is an absolute vow. <laughs> I look forward to it, Yeah, uh, so do I. look forward to it. Hey, in the meantime, stay on the line. Brian will get your details. Uh, and, uh, yeah, well done. Spend, for, spend that 50 bucks wisely. All the best with that. Uh, we're going to come back with um, uh, one of our uh, very, very popular comedians after the break, uh, Tony Lyle. And uh, he shares the same name as the former MP, doesn't he? Tony Lyle? Yeah, I think so. Uh, but anyway, we might ask him about that, but also uh, how he racks up a cricket crowd. That'll be interesting. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
0: Sports. No joke. We like sports and we don't care who
2: knows. From Wimbledon to the Astrodome. We like sports and we don't care who
4: knows. He's a headline
5: hunter with plenty of trophies to his name. And news outlets can't get enough of them. A James Bond-style police chase has been captured on film on the River Thames. But is this cutting comedian just out for a laugh? Or is he an attention-seeking idiot sabotaging sports? And joining us from his home in Kent, England, is Jarvo69. Jarvo, mate, we've seen the coverage on the sports events, but what was being said when you got spotted?
4: Uh, I'm, oh, I was standing around for ages, and then there was a woman that was just like,
3: who is this guy? And she came like, running over to me, she's like, excuse me, you can't be on the pitch. She's like, excuse me, how dare you? I'm one of the players. She's like, no, 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 you can't be on the pitch. And she started calling more people over. But the camera, once the camera got past me, I was like, you know what? I've been on TV, so
0: it's all right.
1: <laughs> that is Tony Lyle interviewing uh, Javo, 69 Javo, funny in itself, uh, on the project. Uh, Tony, uh, what did you make of Javo.
5: I uh, uh, get a Smithy, hey, oh, he was an interesting character, eh? You just don't know quite what, what he's doing it for. I mean, but I mean, you can't deny the things he's done. You know, I guess as a, as a non-sportsman, I've always dreamed of getting out there on the field, you know, one day. And if you don't have the ability that, you know, someone like you might have, then you've got to do it the way any way you can. And if that's dressing up in the outfit and jumping over the, uh, the fence in the outfield and running on, um, then so be it. God bless him.
1: I mean, he's a cult figure now. I mean, uh, I would imagine administrators uh, hate him, absolute hate every bone in his body. Uh, but the crowd love him. They love his gall. Uh, and I can't, what what I can't work out, I mean, I go to a lot of grounds and we get lectured on the stringent nature of security and where you can and cannot go. And this guy just strolls past everyone, everywhere. I, I can't get it. Yeah,
5: well, um, I um, do some work for the Black Caps as the the match day in C, So I'm. Um walking around the ground just doing uh, throwing stuff up on the big screen with people in the crowd and I've got you know a full lanyard on me saying that I can get onto the wicket and I'm constantly stopped by security and constantly asked them to get out of where I am and, tell, and I have to keep explaining to them the whole time oh mate no no, no I'm allowed to be here you know and I'm, I've got a cameraman beside me and I'm holding a microphone uh, I don't know mm. how he does it it's, it's, a, it's unreal um, I guess that's the, the beauty of it's the same old thing of, like, you can do anything if you're wearing a high-hiss vest. Uh, like, if you look the part, people, will, and you act the part, people will just believe that you, you belong there. And, and he's cracked the code.
1: We're going to miss you at Eden Park this year. We're going to miss cricket at Eden Park. Uh, it doesn't look like they're going to have much.
5: Yeah, I know, mate. I'll miss it as well. And we've had a bad run at Eden Park as well the last couple of years. Uh, you know, we we've, we've have played some games there, but but none of the real big ones that, that we've expected the big crowds for, you know, your Aussies and that sort of thing, they've been, um you know, dashed due to the old COVID. So it's a bit of a shame, uh, but there's still plenty of cricket over summer. So, you know, I'll be out there punishing audiences in some way or the other. It might not be um, in the old hometown. We'll have to do it down in, in Wellington instead.
1: One of the hardest things I've all... I've never done the job you do. I, I've never been a, a crowd rocker or whatever you like to say, an atmosphere builder. <laughs> um uh, it's actually called then, uh, match it, it, day
5: in M- match day mc oh. i think it's a very cultured job uh racking up inebriated people
1: <laughs> so i mean <laughs> how hard is it how hard is it does it get progressively harder or easier as the um as the alcohol seeps through the system not you yeah, not yours by the way This. yeah yeah.
5: yeah it gets progressively easier <laughs> yeah, i try to you know wait till the final ball's bowl before i tuck in, as i'm sure you are you're familiar with but um the yeah it gets progressively easier but it gets progressively more risky uh you know you, you kind of want you have to hold on to the microphone tighter people are trying to grab it off you a bit harder um, people are more obliged to let the old um, swear word fly however uh, the longer they've been in it but you also you know you learn what to look out for you see if there's a big group of lads on like a stag, do or something. You kind of just give them a wide berth, you know. They're going to have fun with or without you. Uh, I find the best results you get it from, you know, families are always good. They're, they're jazzed up to get on the big screen, uh, and they're, they're bound to be more wholesome as well. But you know, you got to push the, the boundaries of yourself often, try to get someone on, and see how close to the line will dance for you.
1: Well, there we all were, and you were, I'm sure, as well, being an avid cricket fan building up our hopes for a uh, T20 World Cup title and in come the Aussies once again, mate. How, how depressed were you after that?
5: Uh, it was a tough pill to swallow, mate. I mean, you get up early, don't you? You sit on the couch and, and wash it, uh, watch it. Missed your voice, by the way, mate. I wasn't quite the same mm. without you. Thought it would have been a nice little redemption for you after what happened in 2019, calling that one to a to caller. So I think that's where we went wrong. But, you know, it was a tough tough morning. That we just never really looked likely, um, which which was the hardest part to swallow. It was like um a death by a thousand cuts, watching it over, and then the game just ends, and then it's you know six thirty, and you just got to do a whole day. You just got to be tired and depressed for an entire day. Um yeah, pr- productivity at work was fairly low on that Monday, that's for sure.
1: And to top it off, talk about death by a thousand cuts, Tasman and Otago last oh. weekend, mate.
5: Mate, no, two in a row, I thought, hey, if we get, ideally we'll get two of these. Otago will, will come and win the championship and then uh, the Marco will walk away with the premiership in the afternoon. Um, and When Otago went down, I thought, hey, you know, Telemaki, they were playing well all season. Uh, they beaten, I think, something like that. Um, so, you know, you, you can take that one. But, you know, I really thought we had a chance there uh, down in Hamilton, the old Marco, but... You know, again, Waikato, I mean, when you think about it, that's the best story, isn't it? You know, a team that's had to be on the road for whatever it is, seven or eight weeks, you, you can't, in their 100th year, the, the women winning the Farah Palmer Cup as well, you can't begrudge them for it. Um, but, you know, I did begrudge them for it on the night. I'll tell that much. But I thought to myself, hey, I'll wake up earlier and watch the ABs win. And then, no, again, <laughs> it, was just, it was a shocker of a, few, of, a, of a week, to be honest.
1: Yeah, it wasn't great. We'll Take the Black Ferns in there as well. <laughs> Uh, and now, yeah. we the, uh, now we add to the, you know, um, uh, the poor old breakers have got COVID. Uh, I mean, just, the world's against us, man. Uh, what about that Highlanders squad? Uh, that, that Highlanders squad uh, uh, having run your thumb over that, what are you thinking?
5: Hey, I think we're, we're looking all right, mate. We've been sort of, oh, there's a good few names in there. You know, yeah, yeah Sean, well, some good players popping up for their first season. We've got some guys coming back. Uh, you know, I could see a few Marco men in there, Andrew Makaleo as well. He'll he'll, you know, fill that hole that um Ash Dixon left for sure. Mate, I've always got faith in the Landers boys. I think um they're, they're a good team of battlers and, and it looks like they've sort of bulked that up as well. They've sort of getting in those guys who have been around the place, you know. I think we've got a bloke there who's been over to the Waratahs for a year and he's come back. Um, you know, a good looking lock there to fill in the place of old Paddy Paddy Parkinson, who who will miss but mate, I've always got faith. I think um it's always our year, you know, and you know, sure it's only been one year, then it's actually been our year, but, mate, I'm, I'm jazzed. I think we're looking good.
1: Oh, one of the other things you might be jazzed about is the fact that uh, we're about to go, I mean, not many people, particularly anyone that lives up in Auckland, are that happy about traffic lights, but we're now about to go into a traffic light system, <clears throat> which means under even red or orange, you, you might be able to do something in terms of your uh, comedic career. So what opportunities oh. does it open up for you all of a sudden, and... Uh, what are you planning to do, Tony?
5: Mate, it is, it is yeah, great news, to be honest. Um, next Friday, I believe, sort of venues, even if we go in it, this red traffic light, venues can open up with a vaccine passport to sort of about 100 people. So I'm not quite sure where that sort of um, fits in terms of the performance. But, yeah, it, in essence, stand-up comedy can exist as of next Friday. So, you know, there's a few emails being sent flying around trying to um, see what's going on, what we can put on, obviously being safely as well. But, you know, it's been three months... Um, So uh, there'll be a bit of rust to knock out of the system. I imagine there'll be a sort of similar to a sports pre-season. But, you know, it's the festive season as well. So people out there, they've all been in lockdown as well. They'll be looking to go off and blow off some steam. So um, I'm kind of hoping it's the perfect storm, to be honest. People wanting to go out and do activities. Us performing, but honestly champing at the bit to um, to get in front of them. So hopefully um, December will be a a good month for audiences and comedians alike. Because she's been tough. I mean, we've all been... Doing it tough in one way or the other, but you know it's a thing you love doing, isn't it? Getting out there and doing the old stand-up. Say, so, oh, I can't wait! I've got, I've got all this new COVID material. I hope you guys are ready to hear it.
1: Hmm. Well, get in the nets, mate. Get in front of the mirror. Get in the nets. Get in front of the bowling machine. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what you're. I'm not sure what your, your equivalent of that is, but I suggest you prepare because you will, of course, be in hot demand. Hey, thanks very much for your time again this this morning, Tony. Love talking to you.
5: No worries, Smithy mate. appreciate it, and all the best.
1: Yeah, cheers, uh, Tony Lyle. There, folks. We have uh, a comedian every week, and uh, next week we might even be able to talk to one who who has worked. That'll be cool. Uh, it's eleven fifty-two here. Uh, when we come back, uh, Staffy before midday.